It was great just hearing um, those testimonies about um, Ali and Holly and about what they do, um, that they are seen. And even the parts that aren't seen are seen. God sees. Uh, We're seen into the kingdom. That's how people enter the kingdom. They're seen into the kingdom. You know, like when you say, uh, let me see you to your seat, like an usher. You want to make sure they get there. You want them to have every confidence that they'll find the right seat. You see them to their seat. Or when you say, I'll see to it. I'll see, I'll see that it's done. What you're saying is, I'm going to see. I'm going to make sure it happens. That seeing is that confidence. That it, It's this idea of knowing, making sure it's going to happen. Um, the next Avatar movie is out this week. Um, for those that have seen the first one, um, there's a phrase that the native aliens use when they speak to one another, I see you. I see you. And it means more than I physically see you. It's this intimate idea and knowledge of being known. I see you. I see you. This passage today is all about being seen. It's all about the look. Um, It's all about the look. I've watched a few martial arts movies in my time and um, at least, at least two or three of them, um, you never bow and take your eye off the opponent. You never do that. Always. And it's the look. You can tell a martial artist just it's the intensity of, of their gaze and their look. In a moment, in a moment, Jonas, not yet, in a moment, I'm going to ask Jonas to put on a slide that has a famous martial artist there. Next to them is a look-alike, but hopefully, just by looking at the eyes, you'll be able to tell who the authentic martial artist is. So, Jonas? <laughs> can, you, can you tell the authentic martial artist? Um, yeah. I'm not sure if it's the eyes or the hair that sort of made them look alike, but um, for those that don't know, that's my youngest son. Um, This passage is all about the look, and I'm going to invite you to imagine with me something, but I don't want you to imagine without us at least looking carefully, because one of the great dangers of imagining, I think imagining is something we ought to do when we read God's word. We're invited to imagine, and we do so before God. The great danger, of course, is we don't want our imaginings to be completely divorced from the text itself. I don't want you to, anyone to imagine a tall Zacchaeus because the text tells us Zacchaeus was short. So we'll, we'll look at a moment at just some of the background uh, parts of the text, but I want you to imagine because it is all about the look. The look that Jesus gives. I mean, we read it here. When when Jesus looked at him longingly, deeply, Zacchaeus broke down and received God's love. Did you hear that in today's reading? Of course you didn't. I just made that up. Um, But if you had your Bible, you'll be able to look carefully with me. You will see something like that in there. Just listen carefully and look carefully. God, I pray that you'd actually help us to see. Help us to see you in your word. Help us to see your face in your word. 
we want to see you and we want to see your love for us. For your sake we pray. So um, if I were to take us back a couple of weeks, uh, we would have heard these words. To some who were confident in their own righteousness, Jesus looked down, sorry, to someone, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. And then he speaks of two men. One was a Pharisee and one was a tax collector. We have the story of a tax collector today. That's only a few passages before. How interesting. Some were looking down on others. And so Jesus tells this parable. Um, Then we had the story of the children coming to Jesus, which Holly says she loves that passage. And we're reminded in that time of just that, that dependence and that uh, deep trust that children have. And it says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And then we had the story of the rich young ruler. Hey, Zacchaeus is rich. This is interesting. Have we got some compare and contrast to do? Maybe today we'll see the camel move through the eye of a needle. Um, And then we get Jesus telling his disciples that he's heading to Jerusalem and and that everything the prophets have written are going to happen. I wonder if it's someone's birthday. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, for those that are watching, um, we can hear the kids in the hall and um, uh, apparently Holly gets them to sing really loud. So... Uh, It was her birthday, yes. Yes, it was her birthday this week. Um, A few other birthdays around as well. Um, And so um, they're heading to Jerusalem. He's telling them that everything that's been written about him is going to happen. This is important because when we come to the story of Zacchaeus, this is happening just a little bit before Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem, hailed as king. What sort of a king is he? When you look at this story, you're supposed to see what sort of a king he is. And then we had the story of the blind beggar who receives his sight. Um, And this is truly a story about seeing and not seeing. And we could say that about a lot of the Gospels. There's a lot in the Gospels which is about seeing and not seeing. But this too is one of those stories. And that's why I'm telling you, it's all about the look. It's all about being seen. And so um, when we think about this, uh, the first thing or one of the things we hear is Zacchaeus wanting to see Jesus. And so, Jonas, if you'll help me out, um, in verses 3 to 5, it reads, He wanted, that's Zacchaeus, wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. But who saw who first? Um, I might think that it was Zacchaeus who saw Jesus first because then, as I read it, Jesus looked up. But I'm not sure if it was Zacchaeus who saw Jesus first or 
Jesus who saw Zacchaeus first. Jesus calls him by name. We don't know how he knows his name. Was it a supernatural knowing? Or was Zacchaeus well known and his reputation well known? And so um, Jesus had heard of him. Or was there a conversation that ensued before uh, that we didn't see or it's not recorded? I don't know, but I know that Jesus calls him by name. Jesus calls him by name. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Who welcomes who first? So in verses uh, 5 to 6, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Well, it sounds like only one person's doing the welcoming, and that's Zacchaeus welcoming Jesus into his home. But if you understand um, the context of a tax collector, they are outsiders of their people. They are employed by the Romans to tax their own people, and it was well known that tax collectors took a nice little cut for themselves as well. And so Zacchaeus is wealthy, taking from his own people. He is a person who is either, um, either people will have a great indifference to him or a great deal of contempt, but he is an outsider. But listen to Jesus' words again. Uh, Jonas, if you can move it to the next slide. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him. The moment Jesus entered the house or decided to enter the house of this tax collector, that was a welcome. That was an acceptance. If you can understand this culture and this time, a respected and reputed rabbi has just said, in a, in a culture of hospitality, where that's huge, to go and eat with another person is an acceptance and a welcome. And for a rabbi to go to Zacchaeus' house, it's Jesus who welcomes Zacchaeus. And then Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus. So Jesus saw Zacchaeus and then Zacchaeus saw Jesus. And it was Jesus who welcomed Zacchaeus. And then it's Zacchaeus who welcomes Jesus. And this is what it means to be seen into the kingdom. We don't get to hear all that took place in that dinner or that meal time. We, we don't know. And so this is the part where I'm inviting you to imagine with me what took place to enable Zacchaeus to give half of all he owns to the poor and to repay back anyone four times as much if he's cheated anyone. In my readings, there, there, there was something about what the rich were to give. It was something like 20% to the poor. He was giving half of all that he owns to the poor. And he was following the law that if you had stolen an animal, 
you were to give back four times as much. And that's what he says he's going to do. We only heard about the rich young ruler who, who couldn't take what Jesus had said. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. It looks like a camel just passed through the eye of a needle. What, what happened in that meal? What happened in that... Trans, was, this, was there something going on, some sort of transaction, something happening between Jesus and Zacchaeus that he could do this? And of course, there were people that didn't see, of course. All the people saw this, they saw, and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. What sort of a king is this? He's soon to be hailed as king as he enters Jerusalem. What sort of a king is he? He's the king that came to seek and to save the lost. The qualifications, the prerequisites of being part of the kingdom is that you recognise that you are lost. You are inadequate. I am a very insecure person. God has been working on me for many years. I have come a bit of a way. <laughs> I just thought I'd share that. I have no idea how this is related, but um, thanks for listening. Um, no, it's related. It's related. Um, I am insecure, but I, I'm trying to understand this look that Zacchaeus must have seen in Jesus, in his face. I like uh, Mark's um, uh, version of the young rich ruler. Uh, just before Jesus speaks those words and says, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor um, and you'll have treasures in heaven, then come and follow me. In Mark's gospel it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then he spoke those words. I'm not sure there's ever been a time that Jesus didn't look with love. You know when Peter denied Jesus three times? Again, in Luke's Gospel, it says that Jesus, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Peter ran out and wept bitterly. I'm certain it wasn't a look of disgust or disappointment. What Peter saw was the love of his Lord. In that moment, you're convicted. In that moment, Repentance. You want to turn. I was um, preaching um, uh, some uh, months back at uh, Cockatoo, and um, there was uh, uh, the passage led me to, to share something that I had learnt early on in ministry that I had to ask God for His love for His people. And I told uh, the congregation that day that uh, I've prayed prayers, but that's one prayer I've, God has always answered. I've never not seen him not answer that prayer. Did I say that right? He always answers that prayer. I'm always given a love for his people. 
um, sometime after that sermon, I had this deep, deep conviction, like it was like a, a moment of utter shame as this revelation came, this paradigm shift. I had for years been asking God to give me his love for his people and I had seen God answer that. And this piercing truth came in that I had never asked God to give me his love for my wife and for my children. It's my wife and my children, of course I love them. I thought I had never asked God to give me his love for my wife and my children. Do you know what God's love is? It's perfect, it's pure, it's true. It has the power to transform. I felt so foolish and yet at the same time I felt loved in that moment, accepted as I was, I was learning. And then only a few weeks ago, it went deeper still. I thought I'd reached it. I thought, oh, of course, I've got to ask God for his love for my wife and my children. But then God showed me that I needed to ask him for his love for myself. No one quite loves me like God loves me. And if I could see his love, and I have, and I do, and in every moment that I see it, something inside shifts and changes. I am free. All of a sudden, maybe we understand what it means when Jesus says, when the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. It's almost like we step into the truest part of ourselves in that moment. It's as though Jesus' gaze allows us to step into who we really are. Jesus sees Zacchaeus for who he is. How do we see each other? How were the people seeing Zacchaeus? All of the people's contempt for Zacchaeus, that's how we try to motivate people. We shame them into doing and becoming the people we want them to be, to behave in a way that's appropriate. All of that shame, all of that contempt for Zacchaeus had done nothing. And Jesus loved him. Jesus saw him. Jesus looked at him. And he was transformed. What a miracle. Seen into the kingdom. Jonas, can you take us to that next slide? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's... that's, what the word seen into the kingdom. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's what he came to do. We're the lost. And as we receive God's love, we become people who can be ushers as well. We can see people into the kingdom. As Jesus lives in us, we can see people into the kingdom. But we need to receive his love. 
Zacchaeus climbed up the tree to get a glance at Jesus. But however long Zacchaeus gazed at Jesus, that will be the depth of his own acceptance and understanding of who he really is. And that's the same for you and me. We can glance at Jesus or we can gaze at him. One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. To the degree that we gaze, that's the degree that we, we see the reflection of who we really are in the face of God. And we become. Let's pray. Lord God, help us to see your face right now. I pray for each of us here now and all those listening in their homes. I pray, God, that we would see your face and that every time, in every moment of insecurity, in every moment of doubt, in every moment of self-loathing, in every moment of disgust at ourselves, God, in those moments that we would look to see your face, that we would listen to our heart which tells us to seek your face. And may we receive your love for your sake and for the sake of your kingdom. Amen.